Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Happy to welcome my guest today, Dr. Jillian Schauer, who was elected CANRA's first executive director in 2021. CANRA is the Cannabis Regulators Association, and she has served as a senior advisor to CANRA before the organization's founding. Dr. Schauer has worked in public health and policy for nearly two decades and has a decade of experience working with federal and state agencies on cannabis policy, data monitoring, and research translation. She has a PhD from Emory University and a Master of Public Health from University of Washington and a Bachelor of Science from Northwestern University. CANRA, uh, as I mentioned, the Cannabis Regulators Association, is a national nonpartisan nonprofit organization of government officials involved in cannabis regulation across more than 40 states and territories. CANRA provides policymakers and government officials with unbiased information from regulators who are implementing cannabis policy in states and territories. They are not a cannabis advocacy group, and they take no formal position for or against cannabis legalization. This should be a very interesting conversation. Welcome to the show, Dr. Schauer. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, Let's get to know you a little bit better. Um, Let's hear more about your background and your experience uh, before getting involved in cannabis policy, cannabis industry, cannabis movement issues. Yeah, so for the better part of a decade, I worked on tobacco control policy issues, um, and I decided I had my master in public health at the time, but I decided to go back and get my PhD. Um, I went to Emory, but I'd been a longtime Washington resident and grew up in Oregon, so a Pacific Northwest person. Um, And while I was getting my PhD, Washington started to talk about legalization, and I became very interested Um, in understanding more about cannabis consumers. A lot of folks around me were making an equivalent statement of, you know, we should, in terms of policy, be thinking about cannabis just like tobacco. And I saw a lot of differences from my vantage. And so in my research as part of my dissertation and my PhD studies, I became very interested in understanding who's using cannabis, why are they using it? I actually did part of my dissertation interviewing um, adult cannabis consumers who also use tobacco products to understand were they using cannabis to help them cut down on or quit using tobacco? Um, so I became very interested in the data side to start with. Um, and, and then while I was writing my dissertation, my home state of Washington did legalize. Um, I had a fellowship as part of my PhD work with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And my boss at the time said, you know, gosh, do you want to take a couple meetings in Washington and maybe Colorado and get an understanding of what states are doing with legalization and, and what it might mean? And it took me all of one one meeting in each state to go back and report that states really needed help, that the federal agencies were not helping states as they were setting up legalization frameworks in the way that that we normally would see. FDA was not involved. EPA was not involved. 
et cetera. And so um, I got some permission as part of my fellowship, which then became a long-term contract with CDC to uh, work on setting up a multi-state learning collaborative that was mostly with public health officials, but quickly started to engage more regulators to share best practices, understand how states were shaping policy. Um, and that's really how I got into the cannabis space um, and how I started working on more on the policy side and more with regulators. Yeah, that's interesting. You were saying um, regarding before getting involved in cannabis was tobacco primarily, um, which, you know, there are some similarities I can easily see between tobacco and cannabis. But at the same time, uh, nobody's really claiming tobacco has any medicinal properties. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, so, I mean, th- that kind of experience is is very different from cannabis as well. What was, uh, what were your focuses on tobacco? Um, When I was working on tobacco control policy, it was primarily on treatment. Um, Tobacco is one of the most addictive substances around very different um, addiction potential than cannabis. And so people who want to stop using tobacco can have a very hard time doing that. So my focus was really on helping connect uh, people with treatment. I worked a lot with the healthcare system. I worked on um, healthcare related policy um, and tobacco control. And and that's part of why I wrote my dissertation on trying to understand are people who are using both tobacco and cannabis products using cannabis in part to try to help them quit or cut down on tobacco because it can be such a hard thing to do. Um, And indeed, in my qualitative part of my study, I did hear that from a lot of individuals that I spoke with. That's very interesting. Definitely. Well, I think you've already answered most of my second question about, you know, how and why you got involved in in cannabis. Um, and, And, you know, from a personal perspective, it sounds like out there in the Pacific Northwest, one of my favorite parts of the country. It's so beautiful up there. Um, you're absolutely right. Washington, um, at the same time that Colorado, uh, in 2014, they both legalized adult use cannabis. Uh, yeah, for... 2012, actually. And then um, they were the, quickly that... followed by Oregon and Alaska in 2014. The markets opened later. That's probably what you're referencing. Yes. Adult use yep. sales began on January 1st in 2014 in Colorado and I believe Washington as well. Uh, yes, July, of course. Yep. It, it does take a while. Once a state legalizes, it takes usually a year and some change for them to get That's the right. regulations. Um, the laws, the licensing, and all those things rolled out. Um, So yeah, 2014 was when we saw people lining up and buying cannabis as adults in both Washington and Colorado. Awesome. That's right. Yep. So let's uh, fast forward to the present. You are with CANRA, which I explained is the Cannabis Regulators Association. Uh, Let's talk more about the goals of CANRA and and its founding and history. Yeah, so um, we were founded in late 2021 by 18 different states that came together, but the work has really been an offshoot of a prior, um, less formalized organization that we fondly referred to as the Regulators Roundtable. Um, And that organization came up alongside the multi-state learning collaborative that I was engaged in that I talked about. But for a number of years predating CANRA, regulators from different states were coming together. They were trying to do it in person twice a year, again, to try to have an exchange of information to talk about challenging policy areas, lessons learned, et cetera. So it was that, um, that group, the 
Regulators Roundtable that formalized into the Cannabis Regulators Association in late 2021. Um, we now have more than 40 states and territories in our membership. Um, not all of our states have uh, cannabis policies in place. We have a couple states that are associate members that don't have any cannabis legalization policies in place for medical or adult use, but have joined to try to understand the regulatory uh, landscape, uh, expecting that you know something may come to their state in the future. Um, our members represent all of the adult use states and almost all of the medical use states, and we have a, a number of states that have low THC CBD programs as well. Uh, the primary uh, individuals that we work with are from the, can the main cannabis regulatory agency in states, um, whoever is the primary regulator of cannabis. But we have a statewide membership that at least half of our members have taken up so that we can work with any agency in the state that's at all involved in cannabis um, implementation of cannabis policy. So we have departments of transportation, departments of agriculture. Um, we have departments of energy and environment that are all part of our different committees um, because they're doing that work in their state. So we work through more than a dozen different special committees that span the gamut of cannabis policy issues. I just mentioned some of them. We have social and economic equity, licensing, um, public health and public education, data, uh, lab testing, product safety, packaging, labeling. You, If you can think of it, we probably have a committee for it. And our committees are all staffed by individuals from mostly the cannabis regulatory agencies, but in some cases, other state agencies who are doing the work. Um, we also have a seven-member board, and all of our board members are volunteer their time, and they are the chief regulator in the different states that they represent. So we're a very member-driven organization, and I'm grateful for all the folks that have rolled up their sleeves to, to make things come together. Um, our goal, as you mentioned at the onset, we're not focused on endorsing or pushing specific policies around legalization. Instead, we're really focused on sharing best practices uh, with a focus on sharing practices and lessons learned in consumer safety, equity, um, and, and ways that we can promote regulatory certainty for people who operate in the industry. We spend a lot of time discussing and troubleshooting challenges and regulatory issues, and I think we'll talk more about those in a bit. Um, and we really want to be the voice of of um, what's happening on the ground from a regulatory perspective for anyone who's making policy, whether it's municipal, state, or federal. And then we have a long-term goal of trying to harmonize policy where possible. We know that there are a lot of important reasons to do that, and it can be challenging to do so, but we see ourselves as a place where that work can start to happen. That's awesome. I'm looking at the Venn diagram in my mind of goals uh, that both CANRA and NCIA overlap and there's quite a bit there. So let's take our first commercial break and then we'll come right back and talk more with Dr. Jillian Schauer of the Cannabis Regulators Association, CANRA. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and we're talking with Dr. Jillian Schauer from CANRA, the Cannabis Regulators Association. And I want to talk more about the recent CANRA external stakeholder meeting that happened in early June of this year. Two of our board members attended and participated. Uh, That's Kershid Koja from Greenbridge Corporate Council and Michael Cooper from Madison J Solutions. And I know they were excited to be involved in the event. So um, from your perspective, uh, what happened at the meeting overall? What were the goals of hosting this two-day conference? Yeah, we were very excited to be able to host this. You know, we've, we were founded in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and um, had not had a chance to come together as a as an organization um, or with our stakeholders. And in our first year of our founding, we spent a lot of time kind of getting our own house in order, but we took a lot of calls from stakeholders. And, you know, as you heard at the first segment, I'm, I'm a researcher by training. So I truly believe in hearing all different perspectives. And I think it's important that um, all voices are heard. And that's the approach I've taken with Canra. And that's the approach that you know, all of the regulators I know try to take as well. So we took a lot of meetings with people that were reaching out to us as a new organization to talk to us, to share with us their perspectives. And I think, you know, the board and the the voting members, the lead regulators in all the states came together and said, it would be great if we can get all these stakeholders into one room to talk about issues, to hear the discussion among the varied stakeholders that a regulator has to hear from. So that was the primary goal of the meeting, to get a wide range of stakeholders from from public safety, public health, research, to industry trade associations and coalitions and everyone in between um, into a room to talk about issues. We focused mainly on national issues. Um, and of course, a lot of the national issues that we focused on have you know, implications in states as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and regulators opted to be primarily in a listen-only mode. So the way that we structured the meeting was to have panels that were moderated by a regulator and the regulator worked with the stakeholders in setting up the panel, but the panelists were our stakeholders. And it was an opportunity for regulators to hear from, again, hopefully a, a range of perspectives on different topics like interstate commerce and, um, you know, I think we'll go through the topics in more detail, but, uh, you know, I think in the future, we may try to have regulators involved a little bit more. We heard from stakeholders that that's something they wanted, but it was very important for this first meeting, I think, for us to be in a listen, primarily listen mode where we could, you know, hear, hear what stakeholders have to say on important issues. 
Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. And, you know, there's certainly a lot to take in when it comes to our industry. It can be like drinking from the fire hose at uh-huh. times. <laughs> um, so in addition to cannabis industry experts like like our board members, Kershid and Michael, who I mentioned, um, who, who else was there? Who, who was not there? And, and w- why were certain types of individuals invited to this, but not others? Yeah. So, um, you know, we kept the meeting fairly small. This was our first go with this meeting. I think it will become an annual meeting and I'm sure it will grow in size, but um, we had a range of advocacy organizations in the room working on public health, public safety, social justice, equity. We had a range of non-governmental organizations working with other sectors of the government that interface with cannabis regulations. So AGs, state health officials, legislators, governors, other regulators. Uh, we had organizations involved in setting quality standards for the cannabis industry and, and for cannabis regulators that apply to policy implementation. Uh, we had data and research entities that are working with the industry and w- with regulators. We had tech companies working with both the industry and regulators. And then we had coalitions and trade associations for both hemp and cannabis. And I should say our members are increasingly engaged in hemp regulation or regulation of certain hemp-derived products as well. Um, we did not have anybody representing themselves as a licensee. I think it was very important that we did have a number of licensees in the room, but they were there representing coalitions or trade associations that they are engaged with. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason for that is that, you know, we have more than 40 state and territory members and so many different licensees. And we wanted to be careful not to show any favoritism, not to give anybody um, a voice that others weren't getting. And so instead, we opted to work through trade associations at the national level and try to invite every single one that we could identify and find and hope that, um, you know, they truly are representing their membership. And um, I know, at least in the case of NCIA, you know, that was certainly the situation. And I had a couple in-state licensees email me and say, how can we attend the conference? And I was quick to put them in touch with Kershid and Michael and um, make sure that, you know, NCIA was, was there to represent their questions and perspectives as well. Great. I mean, and that also underscores another great reason for operators, licensees to to be involved in NCIA as as we're representing Main Street Cannabis. So just throwing that plug in there. Um, So as far as the topics that you covered at this event, um, what what were that list of topics as as we were kind of mentioning earlier and why why is it important to focus on those topics at this event? Yeah. So as I said, we took a real national perspective for this meeting in part because we're a a national organization and also because we wanted to, um, you know, allow our regulatory members to spend some time on the national issues. They all work so hard on behalf of their state. They often can't step back and, and look at the broader perspective outside of their state as well. And they had asked for that. So we opened hearing from a couple of federal agencies that were there. Um, We talked about federal cannabis cannabis policy broadly. Um, We talked about interstate commerce and impacts on markets. We talked about tax price and illicit markets. Uh, We had a couple hours that we spent on social and economic equity and social justice. Um, We spent some time talking about preventing youth access and promoting consumer safety. Uh, We talked about data and technology, how that can help in future policymaking. Uh, We spent a good hour and a half on hemp, which is a topic that um, we at CANRA have been convening on 
predating our form, formal establishment. It's really been a tough, challenging regulatory topic for our, our members. Um, we talked about standard making in cannabis regulation and, and heard from the major groups that are setting standards. Um, we talked about uh, regulatory uh, service providers in seed to sale technology and licensing technology. And then we heard from national B2B and B2C cannabis commerce um, providers as well. We wrapped up the meeting with one panel from a regulator's perspective. And that was, you know, our opportunity for our members to sort of come out of listen only mode and talk about the realities of being a regulator and also hear questions um, that stakeholders have. So I think it was a, a good range of topics. There's certainly a lot that we could have taken on beyond this, but we had, you know, a little over a day and a half and, um, it was a lot to take on in a day and a half. So again, hoping that this will be an annual event and that we can continue to broaden the breadth of what we talk about. Awesome. Yeah, I, I would love to hear a regulator's perspective as well. I'm kind of imagining them like pulling their hair out, but maybe it's not so bad. Um, was there something uh, that stuck out to you or, or jumped out at you that you learned at this event you didn't already know or or your takeaway that was that was really valuable that we can go forward with? Yeah, I mean, I think there were definitely takeaways from each session. We heard a lot of new and different ideas. And, um, you know, I, I like to remind everybody who was in the room and who heard about the meeting that just because we heard the idea doesn't mean that, you know, regulators agreed with it or that others in the room agreed with it. But I think it was a great opportunity for some brainstorming on some of the harder policy areas. Um, I was heartened to hear that, that everybody across the spectrum felt like it was a benefit for them to have this breadth of stakeholders in the room talking about issues. I think, you know, often we stay in our silos and we hear from people who are in the same area of the industry that we are. And um, I heard, you know, from industry and trade associations that it was great to hear different perspectives from research and public safety and, you know, consumer safety. I heard, you know, public health people say that it was great to hear from uh, industry trade associations. And I think all of that is exactly what we hoped would come from the meeting. And I'm particularly heartened by the fact that I think there was, there was more overlap on issues than we thought there would be. Um, and I'll, I'll use hemp as an example. You know, we had some rousing discussion about, about hemp from uh, trade associations engaged in the topic, from hemp regulators, um, from consumer safety advocates. And, um, you know, we may not all have agreed on exactly the next path forward, but I think everybody did agree that we need to continue the discussions and we need to have this broad group of stakeholders um, talking more to each other. So I was heartened by the areas where we did find overlap. And I think where there were some very tangible steps forward that can be taken on hard issues. And um, it was really respectful dialogue as well, which I think was great. You know, we were not interested in having fights on stage, but we were definitely interested as a regulatory community in hearing the perspectives. So, yeah, it, I think it was a successful meeting from our members perspective, and um, we have heard the same from attendees. So, again, hope to hope to continue the dialogues outside of the meeting as well. Yeah, that sounds like a really great meeting of minds across the spectrum um, of, of cannabis issues. And I'm glad to hear there weren't any um, Oscar face slaps at the event as well. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> All right, let's take our last commercial break and then we'll come back and wrap up our discussion with Dr. Jillian Schauer of the Cannabis Regulators Association. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association, and we've been chatting with Dr. Jillian Schauer of CANRA, the Cannabis Regulators Association. Um, And there was an event that they hosted in early June that we covered that two of our board members attended to represent NCIA in this regulator-focused uh, event and going back even further, um, Canra participated in a regulator-focused panel at our trade show, the Cannabis Business Summit and Expo that we hosted in December in San Francisco. Uh, and Michael Cooper and Krishid Koja were involved in that as well. Um, tell me how that went for you. That was, I think, you know, really great for us to be incorporated in that way and um, to get to work with Kershid and Michael more. We had been in touch before and had had some calls about where NCIA and Canra could um, collaborate. And, and Michael and Kershid suggested this as an opportunity for a panel of regulators to talk to the folks that attend your Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. We focused on a range of issues, um, predominantly kind of the federal landscape and how states are navigating uh, changes that might be forthcoming federally and thinking about that. And, um, I, you know, there was a lot of time for Q&A. And I think uh, stakeholders from NCIA got to ask regulators a lot of questions and, and regulators were responsive and, you know, took feedback home. And so I th- that's the kind of opportunity that I hope will continue to, to partner with you all on um, finding ways where your stakeholders can be more in touch, not just with their regulator, but um, in hearing from other regulators as well. As you mentioned, it can be a very challenging job to, to be a regulator of any industry, um, let alone a new and innovative industry, you know, where things are moving so quick and it's such a dynamic space. And so um, I know regulators want to hear from stakeholders, and I thought this was a great forum for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I'm glad that there's some collaboration there. And of course, you know, CANRA and and CIA members have this opportunity to be in touch often um, as stakeholders. So uh, it's 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 important to have a seat at the table, to have an ear at the table, and have this exchange of dialogue um, and idea sharing and thought leadership as well. I do want to mention a couple of things coming up that NCIA is doing before we wrap up the show. Um, just around the corner here on Thursday, July 28th, we're having a little Colorado industry socials, just an evening networking reception here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, so NCIA members receive complimentary tickets to the Colorado Industry Social. Go ahead and register. It's nice to see people in person and smile at them and fist and elbow bump them. So um, definitely register for that. 
Uh, tickets are available for non-members as well. Also in September, on the 13th and 14th of September, we are heading back to Washington, D.C. Finally, after uh, pandemic restrictions, we're going back for our 10th annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days. Um, it's one of my favorite things that NCIA does, and it's been so sad that we haven't been able to go because of the pandemic, but we're heading back. Things are a little different in D.C. now for a variety of reasons, including uh, security restrictions, um, but we're, we're going back for our lobby days, so NCIA members definitely register early as our government relations team is behind the scenes putting teams together, setting up meetings with members of Congress and their staffers, um, getting all the materials prepared uh, to make for another successful Lobby Days event. So be sure to head to our website, thecannabisindustry.org, and get signed up for both of those events and start thinking about heading to D.C. this later this summer as well. So, um, Thank you again, Dr. Schauer, for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about CANRA? Yeah, thanks again so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity and the exchange. Um, folks can find out more about CANRA at our website, www.cann-ra.org. We are moving our domain name, so soon it will just be canra.org, but we'll be routing you um, appropriately. We have a place uh, there where folks can sign up to get updates. Um, we have an info email address where people can email if they want to connect with us. And, and as I said, you know, as with most state regulators, um, we really take the approach where we want to hear from stakeholders. We want to hear what goes well. We want to hear what's challenging. We want to hear perspectives on different different policies. Um, I think that's really important to, to thoughtful policymaking, that all stakeholders have a voice that's heard. So um, please don't hesitate to reach out and, um, you know, please reach out through NCIA as well. Um, we will continue to have regular conversations with NCIA and to um, coordinate on, on issues as it makes sense too. So appreciate the opportunity and hope to hear from anyone who has something that they want us to hear. Awesome. Thank you so much again for your time. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.